What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Brady Quinn Football yeah. Show with Will Brinson. Featuring Will Brinson. This is my this is like low key my most enjoyable. Uh, people like this podcast. Um, I get a lot of compliments about it. They're like, man, Brady is uh, Brady's cooler than I expected. Oh, what is that supposed to mean? <laughs> Just Bro, kidding. Some big meathead because I was on one EAS commercial. Now all of a sudden I'm a meathead for the rest of my life. Are you on an Are you on an EAS commercial? What? Yes, it was the now I'm done one. Yeah, like that's the thing is if if people remember me for one thing, it's it's pretty much the EAS commercial where I'm drinking the protein shake, I put it down and say. Now I'm done. I mean, I just you maybe you know maybe you get tagged with like a Notre Dame stereotype, you know, like uh, you know. Uh, yeah, every once in a while, I guess. Yeah, yeah maybe actually that comes first, then the protein shake thing, and I, I don't know, <laughs> one of the two. Well, either way, people have been complimenting me. Maybe maybe it's people in Raleigh don't like people around like North Carolina don't like. Maybe it's an anti Midwestern Notre Dame thing. Could be. I don't know. Who knows? Maybe um, maybe because they have to be kind of mopping up the floor with all those uh, ACC opponents lately. <laughs> That's right. Uh, at any rate, people are constantly complimenting me, saying that they love this podcast. So we're going to keep bringing it to you, uh, Brady. You can follow on Twitter at. 3rd underscore goal. You can listen to him on Sirius XM Radio every, every single day now, right? Uh, Monday through Wednesday, yeah. Monday through Wednesday from uh, 11, 11 a.m. To, 3. to 3 p.m. Yes. Eastern, and that's on with the Sirius XM Blitz. Oh, yeah, uh, and that's excellent stuff there. And, of course, you can watch him on CBS Sports HQ, Real Sports News for Real Sports fans or people who don't really no sports but you want to get into it <laughs> great gambling advice and uh and all kinds of insight there okay so let's um we're gonna the giants and 49ers are playing a football game this evening we're recording during the end of it but we're so we're going to circle back on some giants talk in a minute let's talk first about the nfc east and the three teams that actually matter in that divisional race surprising outcome on on sunday brady because the redskins who were not favored against the buccaneers went down to tampa and managed to pull off a win. The Redskins, by the way, have not trailed all season, not, not had a lead change all season long, once in any of their games. It's, it's really impossible. And then the Cowboys go into Dallas, go to Philly, excuse me, and get a win against a Philly team that was a seven point favorite. Where's your head at in terms of this divisional race? Like, do you think Washington can really win it? Yeah, I think that's the, the question that you've got to try to answer. And right now, my, my answer is yes, but I'm pretty hesitant on wanting to anoint them that. I mean, look, I'm glad they avoided uh, Mars Venus down there in Tampa to be able to focus <laughs> and get a win versus the Tampa Bay Bucks. Uh, but as you noted, they, they kind of are what they are, right? Like yeah. they, in the games they're leading in, they lead the entire game and they win. In the games they're losing in, they, they, they never actually can regain a lead and they basically lose. And that's just how they're built. They are built to be a team that plays a, a style of football where they're going to grind it out. They play really good defense. I think they got so much better up front from this past year's draft. Alex Smith does not turn over the football. Adrian Peterson has found the fountain of youth and not had a huge productive day this past week, but enough to get the job done. And then Josh Dotson steps up uh, circumstantially. And same thing with Jordan Reed. So it, it's just an interesting combination of how they go about winning games. I don't know that it's going to be anything more than a one-and-done if they were to win the division and go to the playoffs, though, just because they have they lack that explosion. I don't think they could hang with some of the more higher-powered offenses in the NFC, and there's, there's a number of those they're going to have to potentially play. Um, but this is why I think uh, Philly and both Dallas have a shot. Philly in particular, tough slate ahead. I think four of their last seven games are on the road, but 
four of their last seven games are divisional games. So mm-hmm. they can make up some ground on the Washington Redskins because obviously head-to-head play is going to matter when it comes down to um, divisional tiebreakers. And they actually have the Washington Redskins twice. The only problem is they finish with the Washington Redskins at the end of the season in their house. So that could be a pretty cold matchup and maybe not too friendly to them. But nonetheless, they're going to have their opportunities. Man, they got to fix some things. Ronald Darby just uh, got lost for the rest of the year with the torn ACL. It's not going to help their secondary very much. You know, they, they, they bring in Golden Tate. I, I really didn't notice them a ton, and it still seems like they're having issues as far as being able to run the football effectively. Um, so they've, they've got some problems they've got to try to fix, and they need to turn some things around. And, uh, you know, Carson Wentz looks like he's almost back to himself, not quite there, but just doesn't look the same. And then you've got the Dallas Cowboys, who had a great win versus Philly. Uh, and then here's the secret to their success. Do you, do you want to know what the secret is, Will? I, I would love to know what the secret is. It's not that hard. It's not that complicated, all right? So, like, <laughs> 22 is a number that the Dallas Cowboys should remember. That's a pretty memorable number if you're a Dallas Cowboys fan, right? Wouldn't you say that? Uh, ab- absolutely. That's the number of times that Jerry Jones has tried to trade for a first-round first pick for a wide receiver, right? <laughs> yes, or it could be the number of, I don't know, Emmett Smith, one of their legendary running backs. <laughs> yeah, right. I know, I know, I know. So, uh, yeah, so here's the key. Give number 21 the ball 22 times, and ah. they win. That's what their record is this year. They're undefeated. I think they're 4-0 now when he touches the ball via rushing or receiving. 22 times. Um, and so, look, a lot of that comes as a byproduct of their offensive line. Suafilo, uh, I thought, played really well. Same thing with Looney. Um, big, big time upgrade from what Connor Williams looked like earlier this year. Um, so, when their offensive line plays like that, like the way they did versus Philly, obviously it helps Zeke, but it just it opens up everything. And it, and it gives Dak, I think, more confidence. Um, and, and, look, their defense has, has always kept them in ball games right now but it's been their offense that's lagging. Uh, but when they give the ball to Zeke 22 times, he's their best player on that team, and, and good things happen. And I think he wears down teams as well where the second half they can't actually walk away. So, yeah, you know, the Dallas Cowboys, I think they have three divisional games left, uh, so they still have a shot. I think the other fact is, look at the last three games. They oh, play like Indy, yeah. Tampa, and then they the finish with the Giants. Yep. So all very winnable, and, and, and they're not out of the race yet. Uh, but they've got to carry off, uh, off this momentum, and they've got uh, – I forget who they play this week. One of the teams has the Saints this week. I think – is that Philly? Uh, Philly, Philly has the Saints this week. That is correct. Yeah, so that's not going to be easy to rebound no. from. In New and, Orleans. Yeah, so go ahead. I mean, say what you want about that. I might want to chalk it up as a loss where the Saints are playing right now. But, right. Um, but anyway, so, so they each have a chance, but they've got to – Turn some things around relatively quickly. All right, so I got a question for for each of these teams. Um, uh, one with the Cowboys. Do you think it's possible that they can manage to play or to coach the way that they did against Philadelphia and to play the way they did against Philadelphia the rest of the season because they were coaching loose? Jason Garrett's like gritting and like cheesing out of the sidelines or going forward on fourth downs. They know that they had to like everything had to be on the table. Or do you think now that they're sort of back in the race, they're going to uh, pucker up a little bit yeah, for lack of a better phrase. <laughs> <laughs> pucker up. You mean they're, 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 their butt cheeks tighten up a little bit. They yeah, start clenching. Uh, lemon booty, I believe, is what the kids say, Brady. Lemon booty, is that what they say now? It actually makes a lot of sense. Now it sure does. That. Um, yeah, I, I'm not sure that they can afford to to, play, to to coach that way, only because they may be in the race, but they're still a, a couple games behind um, when you look at their overall record. So they, they can't afford to 
to play conservative. And I think looking at the roster, looking at you know what they look like, in particular with Dallas, um, they can't afford to. You know, that, that conservative play will not work with the the players that they have. They, they have to open some things up. They have to take some chances. Mar- Mark Cooper looks good, by the way. I mean, yeah. He kind of adds like a different dynamic um, element to their passing game, but it's just not quite. Uh, you know, still coming around 100%. So, I mean, look, at the end of the day, though, these three teams we're talking about, they're drastically better than the New York Giants and what that team looks like. And it's, it's sad, too, because they have so much talent, and it just there's just, like, one thing just continually holding that team back. It's, yeah, it's, it's the quarterback, and we will get to that in a second. Um, on, the, uh, on, the, on the Washington Redskins, if you're Jay Gruden and you're looking at and John Breach brought this up on on yesterday's podcast. I think it's a good point because like they're 6 and 3, uh you know, they don't look like I mean like their 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 offensive line, they're down to like four you know like one like starter, Trent one Williams. Starter, yeah. yeah, Trent Williams might be back in a few weeks. Um you know Adrian Peterson is running the ball. Their most explosive passing weapon uh is either Jordan Reed or Josh Doxson. Uh and def- I mean, defensively they're playing pretty well, but the, you know yeah. uh, it's so, like they can win games with the defense. I mean, do you look at this as okay, if we beat the Cowboys and then beat the Eagles once, we're going to win the division. I mean, do you look at it like that? Because if you get to eight wins like that and you got the, the Giants and the Texans and the Jaguars and the Titans, you just have to win one of those and you can get to nine and seven. Worst case, I feel like nine and seven is going to get this division. Yeah, that, that's a safe bet. Um, I mean, eight and eight maybe could. It would be some tie-breaking scenarios. And that's why, again, going back to divisional play, it becomes extremely important as far as head-to-head. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think nine and seven wins the division. I mean, look again, all these teams, they're, they're good enough to win the division that we're talking about. It's just, I think they're one and done once they get in the playoffs. Like we were, we're talking about them a ton right now. And if you know, in the wild card round, it'll, we'll be talking about their matchup versus, I don't know, potentially the Minnesota Vikings, right. Depending on how that division turns out, even though I, I feel like it, it's probably has a better chance to be a bears as a wild card team. I, I just, that's a team I don't still don't believe in right now. Um, and, and then you look out maybe Seattle, maybe, you know, one of the teams in the, uh, the NFC South, probably Carolina at this point, uh, maybe Atlanta, even though that was just a really disappointing loss mm. to Cleveland, uh, kind of fooled us after, uh, two weeks ago, looking like maybe they could make a run. The Redskins, by the way, don't have a win when they've given up more than 17 points, which I think is just an, it's an interesting, it's just an interesting number. Like, you know, if you're a, you know, I mean, if you're the Redskins, you know you have to hold a team <laughs> under 20 points if you want to get a win, and that's not isn't, easy to do. Isn't that the perfect formula for Alex Smith? Yes. I mean, I, yeah. honestly, like, they couldn't have found a better quarterback if that's the type of or style of play they want to have. <laughs> I mean, that, that, is, that is perfect for how Alex Smith plays, where doesn't take many chances. He, he makes the smart play. Like, I was watching their game this past week, and granted, it, you know, the, the game was somewhat out of hand. But he took a, t- a sack on third and long, and, and I kind of <laughs> thought to myself, most quarterbacks, and this is with like four minutes or maybe a little less than four minutes left in the game, most quarterbacks would have probably thrown that away or, or like maybe forced something, and maybe, it, you know, maybe it's a catch, maybe not, but maybe it ends up being complete. And, and he had the presence of mind to think, you know what, taking a sack here is actually not a bad thing because I, I take 40 seconds off the clock, or maybe they call a timeout. Either way you look at it, uh, it it's going to benefit our team. Uh, and it's going to help out our defense. Right. Like, he gets the big picture. I think that's why they're at the top of the division right now. Yeah, and I, mean, I think he and Jay Gruden are sort of, like, living a fever dream that they both kind of like, right? Like, this, 
okay, we're going to win sloppy. We're going to, you know, we're just going to not try to let, you know, we're just not going to, we're going to play not to lose. And if we can get into a situation where we can, you know, keep a close game and kick a field goal late and get out of there with a win or, or get a big stop, we're going to go with that. And that's why I kind of buy that the Redskins can win this division because it's almost like they're going to curl up like an armadillo and just let people batter at their shell and be like, no, no, we're not like, we're not, we're just not going anywhere. We're going to sit here and win two games, get to the playoffs and then get blown out by the Panthers, Vikings, um, Bears or Probably one of those three teams. Um, Did you say Fever Dream? I've never even heard that before. Does that like have anything to do with Fever Pitch? That tremendous movie with Freddie Prince Jr. No, what? A Fever Dream is when you're when you're sick and you got a and you got like a fever and you're hallucinating and you're and you're picturing things that are insane. In fact, you you want know, the best Fever Dream uh, I've ever had. I was in Fort Lauderdale for the for the draft. I think it was the 2015 draft. I don't think you were there, but you might have been. I can't remember because um, I had a fever. Uh, and I had to do like the whole live draft show the whole weekend with Prisco and I don't think, I don't even know if Costas was there yet, but the, the, I was doing my final mock draft the night before and I, and I was in a fever dream. I was like, the Rams are going to take Todd Gurley number 10 overall. And I put it in my, wow. mock, I put it in my mock draft and it was right. It was people were like, why would they ever take Todd Gurley? And bam, they took him immediately. Wait, so real quick, again, nothing to do with Freddie Prince Jr. and Jessica Beale and him doing that terrible accent like he plays in the Cape Cod League. Nothing to do with that. No, nothing, nothing to do with that. Okay, Fe- that fever pitch, fever dream. Is fever pitch good? Should I watch fever pitch? No, it is not. It okay. is a terrible movie. Um, there's maybe one scene if you're a big Jessica Biel fan uh, that is, is worth watching, but that's about it. Is there anybody who's not a big Jessica Biel fan? Um, that's a good question. That's a good question. Maybe Freddie Prince Jr. after the movie. I, I have no idea. Uh, okay. Um, all right. My question for you on the uh, on the, right, so okay, what do the Eagles miss more? Who do the Eagles miss more? Uh, uh, Derek Barnett or Legarrette Blunt? Ooh, that's a tough one to answer. Um, probably, I, it's crazy to say this. Probably, you know what? I'm gonna say Derek Barnett because I, I think they miss Legarrette Blunt, but I also don't know if he would be running as well with the way the offensive line's playing. Mm. I mean, they're a bit banged up, but they're just not playing at as high of a level. And I think Derek Barnett, when we saw him earlier this year, he was playing okay, but it's just I think he adds another issue to someone you really have to pay attention to and the way you scheme things up. So I, I don't know. Maybe I'm a quarterback, so I'm a little more biased to like worrying about a defensive end or a pass rusher as opposed to uh, to a running back. Okay, but here's the issue with the Philadelphia Eagles. You know when this started? Do you remember the beginning of the year after they won the Super Bowl, how Lane Johnson tried to make it seem like they were still, still an underdog, even mm-hmm, though they're defending mm-hmm. Super Bowl champs? Yes, he quote-tweeted me and was like, oh, the hair of the hater, because I said they might not make the playoffs. He's like, here, all the haters keep hating. I'm like, dude, like I just, I mean, like it's a, it's a, it's a plausible situation where the Eagles don't make the playoffs. Here, here's the issue. Nowadays, you hear about how good you are or how bad you are. It's everywhere. You can't escape it. And, and I feel like from like sports psychology perspective, when those people want to block it out and act like, for example, with, with the Philadelphia Eagles, act like you're still underdogs after you won a Super Bowl, like, no, dude, you're not. You're at the top of the mountain. You're, you're the team that everyone's trying to beat. So you can't have the same mentality you had before when you were climbing that mountain. You have to have a different mentality and actually a better one. And, it, and it's interesting because he was the player, too, who kind of like attacked and made some comments in regards to the New England Patriots and how different the two cultures are and, and how different, you know, those two teams are. And I kind of thought to myself, you actually should be taking a page out of their book 
because there's no one better at, at, at continuing to have consistent success than the New England Patriots. And, and they figure out how to stay on top of that mountain. Like, they're always the team to beat the AFC East. They're, they're pretty much the team to beat if you want to try to get to the Super Bowl in the AFC. And so as much as you may hate them and think that you're like the antithesis of, of what they are, maybe you should, should like be taking a page out of their book as far as at least the mentality that you should be bringing, right? Yeah, I know. I, I'm with you. I mean, I think that I, – I mean, I just think that the Eagles – failed i mean like people people were just crowning them as this next great team that was going to be a dynasty and i think what people had forgotten sort of was that in in these in these situations where teams are coming off a super bowl win a lot of times you know there's just some attrition in ways that you don't really realize like John DiFilippo leaving and Frank Wright leaving and, and Carson Wentz coming off an ACL injury, uh, Vinnie Curry leaving, which, you know, is not a huge deal, but it does hurt when Derek Barnett goes down and all of a sudden you don't have that, that wave of pass rushers in there. Like Garrett Blunt, again, like not a big name departure, but he and Jay Ajayi were the hammers. They, what they would do on teams last year, Brady, I mean, they would get up big with throwing the ball all over the place and then they would smother them with pass rush and pound the ball down their throats. And that was a good formula to win. And I don't think they have that formula this year. No, they don't. And, and, and again, I, I think it's been a combination of everything. Like, I don't know that any position group they have on either side of the football is playing the, as good as they were last year. I mean, Carson Wentz, since he's been back, I think he's progressed and gotten better, like looked healthier and healthier, but he's not playing at MVP level. The rushing game hasn't been the same. They've obviously been banged up there. Um, the wide receivers, you know, Aguilar's played pretty well. Yeah. Um, he, he might be the exception, uh, but you know, anywhere else in their defense, you look too. So, Ertz has been awesome. Ertz, Ertz, Ertz too. Ertz, Ertz too, that's right. Awesome, yeah. I, I always forget about Ertz, dude. He's <laughs> he's making a case for being like top three tight end Whoa. in the league right now. Like, Boy, I don't it's think it's Kelsey, and then maybe Ertz right there. I let me ask you something mildly controversial. Is it possible that Travis Kelsey and Zach Ertz are now better than Rob Gronkowski? Well, because of health issues, you could make that case. But you know, if Rob Gronkowski's healthy, he's the best. I still, yeah, he's yeah. just so big, dude. Yeah. His hands. I remember I worked out with him back when he was when he was coming into the league as a rookie. Really, he was like a tight end out of Arizona. Yeah, I threw to him, and I remember throwing to him, thinking, "Man, this guy doesn't move that fast, but he's got these big hands where you throw the ball. It's like a it's like a magic trick. Like the ball just disappears into his hands, and then you don't see it again. It, it, it's crazy." Um, did he make you throw him 69 passes? Uh, I don't know that he <laughs> counted to that, you know, that exact number. He can't I'm sure count he had that. other things going on outside of his training, uh, where he could figure out a way of, uh, uh, uh yeah. gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Uh, by the way, <laughs> Eli Manning on his, uh, what should be final drive of the game against the 49ers to give the Giants a 27-23 lead as, as Nick Mullins tries to win this game. Um, six of nine for 69 yards. Nice little, yeah, uh, nice which little... is perfect for Gronk. I'm sure right now he's somewhere watching Monday Night Football thinking that. Giggling, and, yeah. uh, and for Eli Manning, I mean, what a win. I mean, think about this. This will go down as one of his greatest wins of, of all time for Eli Manning. I just, not? Brady, I just, <laughs> I just want you to know. So we are recording this like live during the game. I just want you to know that if, if San Francisco wins this and I have to go back and edit this out, I'm going to blame you. I'm just going to leave I mean, it. You in. have to edit it out. I mean, it, we're, it's, it's like we're live tweeting, but we're doing it on a podcast. It's actually kind of cool. Oh, Brady. Oh, Brady. What have you done? Are they, are they out of timeouts now? They are out of uh, timeouts. Yeah. yeah. All right. This is a ball game. All right. So the Giants are going to win this game 27 to 23. And oh, they're going to get one more play. This actually is kind of cool. Um, okay. So <laughs> uh, focus, Will. Focus. We can talk about other games too and come back to that's this. That's right. That's right. Uh, okay. So, um, 
What uh, What about the Saints? Are they the best team in football now? I think they are. I do, um, too. Now, if you look at them, I mean, between the way they can win, whether it's running the football or, um, you know, having Drew Brees, you know, dice up a secondary, they, they can hurt you in a lot of different ways offensively. Defensively, they're the number one rush defense, although that's, that's a little bit skewed because their pass defense was so bad, I just think people were kind of like, ah, we're just going to throw the football the entire game. <laughs> uh, nonetheless, they still do have that number one title. And then their pass defense has gotten better each week. You know, since, I mean, obviously they traded for Eli Apple. They, they knew they had an issue. They wanted to address it. And if you kind of exclude the first maybe few weeks of the season, they're not too bad. So uh, I think they're playing their best football or they're playing the best football of anyone right now. And I, I, I would say if I had to vote or if I had a vote, right now Drew Brees would be my MVP candidate. I just I think he's playing at that high of a level. Um, leads the league in quarterback rating, completion percentage, only one pick on the year. Stats don't maybe, you know, uh, compare as well to um, Patrick Mahomes. But mm. I, I think if you're just looking at what he does for that offense, and not to take anything away from Mahomes, but like when Tyreek Hill catches a, a pass for 20 yards and then takes it 60 yards to the house, I mean, it, it's it's a good play by Mahomes, but it's a big piece too of Tyreek Hill. And Travis Kelsey does the same thing and some of the other weapons. So I, I tend to lean more towards like this being the best team and this being the best team with the best player in the league right now. Um, and uh, yeah, I, look, I, I think that they're playing the best. I think they're playing in terms of the most, like they're playing the most complete football and we have a final giants, 27, 49ers, 23, just for people who are worried about my, my personal health. If I started shrieking over uh, Eli Manning getting, getting some dap. Um, and uh, I, I don't know. Like, here's the thing. With, do, right, is there any chance the Saints are peaking too soon? I don't think so. Because the thing about the Saints, too, for me, Brady, is that they've been here before. Like, they're playing just like they played last year. And so it's it's not hard to imagine them keeping it rolling. They have a steady veteran presence in Breeze guiding the ships. You know, he has he has 13 touchdowns in his last five games and only 30 incompletions. That's crazy. It's nuts. Um but it is a valid question. Are they peaking too soon? Here's what I'd say. I'm not concerned about it. So if you look at last year, um, one, they kind of went on a nice little run during the season too. Sure. Um, so they were a part of that. But, I mean, look at the Eagles. I mean, the, the Eagles, not only did they deal with, you know, losing Wentz and some other pieces on their team, um, but and not, and not that they were, like, necessarily undefeated for, like, that long of a streak, but they, they were the best team in the NFC even dealing with some of these injuries that they lost. And they still ended up winning the NFC and still aren't going to the Super Bowl. Um, and, and the Carolina Panthers, I mean, you remember the year they went 15-1, like they lost mm-hmm. one game, and then they still won the NFC and went to the Super Bowl. So I, I'm not really sure like that, that actually is legitimate, um, even though it could be a concern. Because I, I think whenever you see a team that's relatively healthy, you all of a sudden become a little bit more concerned about what their long-term um, capabilities are if they're not going to have those players coming back or all of a sudden they get snake bit and that injury bug starts to bite them even harder. Yeah, and I mean they lost Marcus Davenport and I think their pass rush has suffered a little bit. Uh, one of the things though with the with the Saints is so interesting and, and like they might you know they are peaking, but they can't take their foot off the gas either because they have some tougher matchups. They got the Eagles and Falcons at home, then at the Cowboys. I mean, you know they they play the Steelers in Week 16, and they play the Panthers twice in the final three weeks of the season. And so even though Carolina got blasted by the Steelers on Thursday, I still think Carolina is a very good football team, and they're going to keep making you know keep hanging fairly close 
to the Saints in terms of that division race. And if they do that, the Saints can't afford to, you know, can't afford to let up. Plus, they really need home field advantage. I, I mean, I believe the only time they've had the number one seed in, in the NFC, uh, was in 2009 when they went to the Super Bowl. And, and having that home field advantage throughout the, you know, throughout the full postseason gives them such a leg up and it makes such a difference versus having to go out to California and play the Rams out there. And I think th- they're going to be in a dogfight the whole season. So I, I would expect that Sean Payton keeps his foot on the gas. And I don't think Drew Brees minds doing it either. He definitely doesn't mind doing it. And I don't think Sean Payton does. And I think that was really the statement they made this past week by just blowing the doors off the Cincinnati Bengals because the narrative was going into that game. And I was curious to see, like, you know, a, I don't want to say emotional win, but, you know, physical battle, yeah. good win versus the L.A. Rams. Now you've got to go on the road. You're a dome team. It's, it's all of a sudden getting cold up north. Can you handle the win there in Cincinnati? Um, even though they're playing without A.J. Green, still is going to be somewhat of a test. And, I mean, it wasn't even close. I mean, they hung a 50-burger on them. So, um, you know, I, I think that was a statement in itself, that and the fact that Sean Payne's punching out fire alarms. Um, <laughs> that, that wouldn't go off either, even though he's going to have to pay for it now. 5-0 uh, on the road this season for the Saints. 4-0 and outdoors. Um, I think I did that right. No, 3-0 and outdoors, excuse me, because they played the Falcons and the Vikings in uh, Dome Stadiums. They will only go outdoors two more times for the rest of the season at Tampa Bay and at Carolina, uh, both in December, so you can expect some fairly uh, mild weather. Though that Panthers game is a Monday night game, um, which should be pretty exciting in Week 15. Uh, do, you, are, do Are you worried about the Rams' defense? No, because I, I saw flashes of, I think, you know, what they're going to be, you know, better – at moving forward, I think that's Dante Fowler starting to have an impact. Um, you, you saw the strip sack uh, towards the end of that game versus the Seattle Seahawks, um, and, and that's what they've been missing. They've been missing that edge rusher. So with Sue and 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 Donald now, and Donald obviously is a flipping beast. Um, they're going to be pretty tough, and I think that's going to help improve not only obviously the rush, but also their pass defense. And then look, Keith Lee is eventually going to come back. Um, that that's going to help kind of solidify the other cornerback spot. So. You know, once they get all those things clicking, I, I think I've got a lot more faith in what this defense can be. My only concern is, and especially going into this week's matchup with the Chiefs, they are not a good run defense. Like, did you know that about them? Yeah, I mean, it's, Kareem Hunt it's, should have a field day, right? And well, and, and as should Todd Gurley versus the Chiefs run yes. defense because that's not very good either. But look, the Chiefs don't have Aaron Donald and Dominican Sue. Like those two guys should be able to clog some things up, but. It's funny, like when I go back and break down the tape, you know what a lot of teams are doing? They're running right at Aaron Donald, and they're putting two guys on him, and they're basically taking Donald, and they're working those double teams just as, you know, they're, and they're working him up to the second level. So they're kind of pinching off the linebackers and basically just creating a screen. So it's not like they ever even really get off the double team. They just keep focusing on Aaron Donald, and it creates enough of a blockage to kind of basically create a lane for the running backs. But – um, that's something kind of to watch moving forward, especially in this, this upcoming week's matchup. Is is does you know does Aaron Donald end up having an impact in the run game? We all know how good of a pass rusher he is as an interior defensive lineman, but you know that's that's the area where I feel like he hasn't really helped out the team the way I thought he would coming into the season. Um, you mentioned that. I'm curious. Do you what do you think about the over under for that game? Because it's it's historically high. Should be seventy. It should be. Oh, 70. So you, oh, you don't think it's high enough? No. I mean, look, look at the way these games are going for the Rams and, and pretty much anyone they play. I mean, they're almost shootouts every single week. And between these two teams, I, mean, I just I, I have a hard time believing all of a sudden we're going to see two off nights. I mean, maybe they're playing at altitude, Mexico City, so maybe that's part of it. I mean, but 
The field is I, supposed, the field is supposed to be terrible. Oh my gosh! Did you see the shot of it tonight? Yeah, it looks awful. I mean, a week away, they think that thing's going to get better. Just pull the old trick they do at the Coliseum and just paint it green. <laughs> That's how they trick everyone. You walk down there, you're like, what's that smell? I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm going to make a contact time. Uh, really? You know? Yeah, that, that's, just, that's just buckets of paint. We just dump buckets of green paint all over the field to make it look nice. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it looks like it looks like a, a mosh pit. I mean, like, wh- wh- I don't understand. I don't. I wouldn't feel. I know you can't bail on the game. I wouldn't feel safe if I had a team that was nine and one or eight and one. I wouldn't be thrilled about going down to Mexico to play on that field and the, and the potential <laughs> what might happen. <laughs> That's like the field conditions are least of your concern going down there. Mm, fair um, point. Fair point. Yeah. I mean, there's lasers. Do we remember last time that was game? crazy? Brock Osweiler was like, like I was like, he's, you... he's blind now. He had to wear an eye patch for like <laughs> three, ten minutes or something. Yeah, he looked like a pirate. Did, wait, did he have to wear an eye patch? You're joking, right? No, I'm okay. making that up. Okay. Actually, the true story though. My uh, my my music teacher back when I was in like in sixth or seventh grade. We had some girl who kept out of the corner of the classroom, kept shining a laser in her eye, sure. and she legitimately had so much damage from it because she wasn't really realizing what it was, but she kind of kept throwing this irritation in her eye. Oh my she God. ended up having to wear an eye patch for the rest of her life, and there's a big lawsuit, sued this, this girl's family, and this whole, the whole ordeal came from it. And, and by, might I say, sweetest music teacher ever, that girl was a jerk. So I, I didn't really feel too bad for. Her. I mean, if you're, sh- yeah, yeah, that's a, that's unfortunate. I'm glad you didn't name names on that one. Um, I'm glad you have historical evidence about the danger of laser pointers, though. Uh, hey, let, <laughs> let me, um, let me, let me ask you that. Did you watch the uh, the the Chargers Raiders game at all? I did, and I saw that ending. By the way, like, okay. All right, let me ask. Oh. You, let, let, all right, so first of all, was that a screen pass on? The I f- think it was. Yeah. Why was there nobody blocking on the screen pass? That's weird, right? Well, I mean, the running back hadn't caught the football yet. They were out kind of in space. No, no, no. No, they weren't. They were, like, blocking. It was it was weird. I mean, Gruden said it was definitely to Jalen Rashard, but he didn't say anything about a screen pass. It looked um, like a screen. I, I thought it looked like a screen, too. Whatever. It was a, it was a bad play call on fourth and five. What are your it thoughts? It's a terrible play call. It's a horrible play call. Um, it, was a, it was a worse decision, though, by a car to burn it. Like, okay. What, what, just throw it up in the air. Let, maybe he makes a jumping catch or something. I mean, it's, it's, it's the last play, dude. You, you've got to do that. Right? You have to, right? Yes. Okay, because yes. his brother, who works for NFL Media, Quote somehow involved getting because I I tweeted out a little clip. I was like, uh, <laughs> like because he threw it in the ground on fourth and five. Like you can't do that. And, and David Carr criticized me on on Twitter and then blocked me. And then Derek Carr blocked me. And I'm apparently already blocked by a third Carr brother who I didn't even know existed. There's a lot of cars out there, and then there's also a lot of cars. But um, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, look. I think at this point they're they're going into like sensitive mode with all this because mm. um, if you're being objective and I think every quarterback should be hopefully they don't you know look at their play and, and they're not able to look at the man in the mirror and say yeah that was, that was a bad decision I've got to give my guy an opportunity now granted it's, it's a bad play call and yeah. you're being put in a tough position but your entire life you've been taught if it's fourth down you're down especially by a couple scores and you're trying to make a play. You've got to take a chance. I mean, keep backpedaling, keep running, run to the screen maybe. Or And if you can't make it because you're feeling like you're getting pressure, I mean, you still have to throw it up for grabs and at least give your, give your guys a chance. Burning it in the ground, I mean, that's just, I don't know. It, it kind of, 
kind of just made me feel like it was a, a play that's going to foreshadow what the future is holding between Derek Carr and the Raiders. Do you, do you think that De- is Derek Carr scared of? I mean, because I don't want to. I don't want to suggest like he had that thing where he looked emotional on the field earlier this season and he shied away from contact. I'm not suggest. I'm not like I'm not suggesting he's soft at all because I mean, he's taken. He like had his back broken and no, yeah, yeah. Had his I, leg I remember broken. one of the games I called earlier in his career. I mean, he was playing through like a legitimate uh, ankle injury. Yeah, I, it's not about it's not about toughness. He, he's a tough guy. Um, I, I think it's sometimes, sometimes that's training, you know, like you get into this mode of, all right, we're running the play. It's not there. You burn it. And then you, all of a sudden you're like, Oh crap. You know, like it, it's fourth down. Like, what was I thinking? And you know, that that's, that's kind of the mode that you fall into. Maybe that was just a, a natural reaction from all this training. When you see a screen, it's not there burning it. But that definitely wasn't the right call in that in that uh, position. And by the way, John Gruden, if you heard, if you listen to their press conferences, they basically said like, they're like, yeah, it was a one read play. Like, like the only read was to Jalen Richard, which is, I mean, I don't know what you're. That, that's the definition of a screen. I mean, there's, there's not, right. there's some screens yeah. you might have where you may have like a, a quick answer if you want it. If someone brought pressure and you didn't feel like you could get it to the screen, but, um, that's, that's very rare. Usually there's, there's a reason why there's only one option on the screen. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. It just, it just seems like a really bizarre call on fourth and five to, 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 I mean, Gruden's like we're going for a big play, which again, that's probably a screen. I, I get it. It's just it doesn't make any sense. The whole the whole thing feels like it's falling apart in Oakland. I'm not sure that I feel like this pretends worse things for them moving forward. Like in the immediate results, is that possible right now? I mean, they're they're already pretty bad. I mean, they I at mean, least what? they at least like fought with the they they at least like kept it kind of close with the Chargers most of the game. I mean, they, they lost by 14. I mean, it, what, what do you mean? Well, I mean, they they were. I mean, they they all right, they. Here's the rest of their schedule. You tell me how many they're only going. They might win one more game. They're at the Cardinals this week. That's winnable. That's winnable. At the Ravens the week after that. Hmm. Ah, maybe. No. Okay. Sure. Uh, Chiefs at home after that. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Steelers at home after that. Uh, that's not looking good either. <laughs> at the Bengals, they could win that game. They could win that game. Yeah. Broncos at home. They could win that game at the Chiefs to close out the season. Ew, that's not that's not good. Yeah, I mean they're, they're going to get the number one pick in this draft. Um, I don't know though. I don't count out the Giants. The Giants I mean, we, just won. Well, it's a good segue. Okay, gonna... but, but here's the thing: is that was that was their last game in prime time. Like if there was one game to get up for, that was it, baby. Because the rest of their games are like one o'clock the rest of the season now. Well, I mean, thank God. How many times do we have to watch the Giants in prime time in one season? Don't have to worry about them getting flexed in anything. <laughs> That's right. Uh, yeah, in fact, they're on Fox most of the season except for one game. It looks like uh, they they play the Buccaneer. All right, what are we out of the Giants here? I mean, like. I don't want to spend too much time talking about a Giants 49ers game that features two terrible teams uh, playing a uh, an entertaining but terrible game of football. Um, Eli Manning, the, right before we started recording this, Eli missed Odell Beckham on what should have been a, a wide open touchdown pass. Wide um, open. I, I mean, is that is that just did he miss it or is it just he's washed and doesn't have that left in his arm now? No, I mean he's he's got it. I, you're talking about the one he overthrew him on, underthrew. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. So, well, there was one that he overthrew him, that he came right back to him and threw the touchdown pass. To yeah, him. yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the other throw, no, I think he's got enough in it. I just, I think, I think at, at his point, at his age and all that, it, it takes more of his entire body to make that throw. Mm. Whereas, you know, if, if you're comparing Eli and Peyton, Eli's like a, the, was the better specimen, like probably yeah. a little better athlete too, right? Yeah. And and I think he could get away with a little bit more um, of, of using just his arm to make throws and, and 
being able to do that. But now he's to the point where I think he really does need to get his, his lower body into all those throws he's going to drive. Like he's not going to make, you know, that, that kind of funky arm throw and be able to get the ball off with the same zip and same velocity. It's, it's just not there anymore. So um, I think it's more of a product of just, you know, how he's kind of handling things with the pressure that he's getting and the protection that he's getting. Uh, do you think that the San Francisco 49ers are going to keep starting Nick Mullins? Did you see enough from him that, I mean, can they get something in a trade for him? Like, what's the future here? Because Jimmy G is the guy, obviously, but is there any any situation where they're – like keep trying out Mullins, and they bring back C.J. Beathard. How does it, How do you think this plays? Oh, out? I, I would definitely keep Mullins as a backup. I mean, it, it, look, it's only a couple of games, but he kind of even looks like he mimics Jimmy Garoppolo a little bit, just in his release mm. and the way his base is and how he moves. Um, and maybe it's just because he's watching film of Jimmy G the whole time, preparing and trying to get ready. But uh, I, I like him. You know, I, I think he's got the ability to be maybe a backup and develop into something for. For the 49ers. Uh, now, granted, I do think Kyle Shannon's like a flippin' genius. Yeah. And, I, and like, I, I just I wish I could have played an offense where he was calling the plays. Because the way he's able to you know, diagram things up, get you the mismatches you're looking for, and get guys open, and it seems like a lot of quarterbacks flourish with him. So uh, I, I don't want to give Nick Mullins too much credit, even though he does deserve it. I, I do think Kyle Shanahan should get more praise. It just it, I agree with you. It feels like a lot of times when you watch a Kyle Shanahan coach game, it doesn't matter if it's Jimmy G, C.J. Beathard, or, or Nick Mullins. Their guys running wide freaking open down the field and across the field. And, you know, these, you know, it's just – it's like it's not, not too different from Sean McVay's offense either. And, and of course, I mean, I think that's a, it's a fascinating point too because – you were a first round pick who is maybe the greatest player in Notre Dame history. Hmm? Uh, I mean, you can make an argument there. Uh, I'll, 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 I'll let you kind of carry that one. I'm just saying that you have the, like, something, like, I think that people lose sight of the fact that sometimes, and you can see it like with Carson Palmer and Bruce Arians as an example, but sometimes it really does matter who you end up getting matched up with as a coach, right? And that, that oh, for sure, yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a huge. I mean, for example, um, you know Brian Dable. So I, I started what like twenty games in my career. Brian Dable was my offensive coordinator for all but but two of them. And yeah. look, I, I love Dave's. It's nothing against him, but he's the coordinator of the Buffalo Bills right now. And and granted, they had a great win this past week versus the Jets, but. It, it's few and far between. And it's like, you know, sometimes, you know, who you have as your play caller ends up making a huge difference for you. If Patrick Mahomes isn't in, in, isn't in Kansas City mm-hmm. and, and he's in Cleveland, it makes a big difference. I mean, Baker Mayfield would be much better off if he was in Kansas City right now as opposed to Cleveland based on the stability and the play calling and all that stuff. So uh, situation, situation and circumstance is paramount for quarterbacks and their development in, in in, in the NFL and really as far as what, what they can max out to be. Yeah, no, and, and too, to that point, like, I think Andy Reid saw something in Patrick Mahomes where he's like, this guy is a fit for my offense, both mentally and physically. And not that Patrick Mahomes wouldn't be a fit for any offense, but like the Arians Palmer thing, Arians likes to, you know, no, no risk it, no biscuit, right? And Carson Palmer was always a straight shot vertical guy who wanted to st- hang in the pocket and, and bomb it deep. Like, I think Bruce Arians and Philip Rivers would be an incredible combination. You know what I mean? Like, it's something to put it over the top. But, um, at any rate, uh, we, we've praised Brady's uh, career at Notre Dame, so we can check that off the uh, podcast rundown. We've covered Monday Night Football. Is there anything else we should talk about before we get out of here? 
Uh, yeah, quickly, just uh, Mike Vrabel, Tennessee Titans. Oh, in the good call. Four, great win over the New England Patriots. Now I think Patriots assistance, or I guess you could, he, he doesn't really fall into that category, but uh, close you know, enough. His, his assistance are like fourteen and nine against them. Isn't that kind of odd? Two and zero this year too, because he lost to yeah. Yeah, uh, he lost to Matt, Matt Patricia. Patricia on Sunday night. Yeah, in, in early in the season. And by the way, those games weren't even really that close. But they weren't. Okay, so so here's my observation off that. Like, as much as we want to think that, oh, it's like this, you know, schematic advantage because they they know you know Bill Belichick and what they and Joshua Daniels and what they want to do. I actually think it's more about Tom Brady. I mean, mm. think about it. Matt, Matt Patricia was watching in practice. He was going up against them in camp. You know, you're going to know your own personnel as well as anyone. And I'm yeah. sure he was saying in camp all the time. This is the rush that Tom Brady hates. This is the, the coverage that he hates against, you know, this set or this personnel group, whatever the case may be. And Vrabel played with them, so he knows the exact same thing too. So, you know, th- those guys did a heck of a job getting their team ready and with the way they played. But uh, I think some of it, you know, had to do with a lot of what they knew coming into it just from their spending, their, you know, a, a good amount of time around Tom Brady. That's a great point because if, if you could take out Tom Brady, I mean, the Patriots defense is, is fine, but it's not, you know, it's, it's not, it's not going to shut you down. They're going to let you get your yards. I would say too that the other thing that was really impressive about that game and about the Titans, the last two games against Dallas and, um, and against, uh, uh, the Patriots, uh, um, Marcus Mariota has started to sort of look like what we thought he might look like in Matt LaFleur's offense, right? So I actually want to give Matt LaFleur a lot of credit because sure. I think his play calling has been dramatically different the past couple of weeks where he's now opened some things up. And, and I think as much as I want to give Marcus Mariota credit, I, I think you look at him and he reminds me of just a more gritty, tough quarterback that's going to get it done no matter what it takes. Hmm. But LaFleur's play calling, I think, kept – New England off balance the entire game. I love the fact that after New England ran the Philly Philly, which to me, you tell me, what's the upside on that play? Ten yards? I think he got six on it. It's a weird but spot to do it. It's just it, makes no a sense. weird spot. Your quarterback's forty one. Yeah. Why are you risking it with the greatest quarterback of all time on a what? on a on a pre buy AFC schlubfest in week ten? It makes no sense at all. Like, it makes no sense. And and then so then it was kind of like. Uh, oh, oh yeah, that's, that, that's, that's how you guys do it. All right. Like take, take a look at this and they have Mario to do it and they get <laughs> first down off. I, I kind of loved it. It was just kind of like, how do you like these apples? You yeah. Know? Yeah. I, I agree with you. By the way, um, interesting. I think I mentioned this on yesterday's podcast, but just in case I didn't, uh, Dan Graziano of ESPN had an interesting piece where apparently Marcus Mariota was too nice and wasn't telling the Titans, uh, play callers when he did, wouldn't tell them the floor when he didn't like a play. He would just run it. He'd be like, okay, cool. Sounds good. Just run it. Cause he was like, he's too respectful. He didn't want to say, I don't, I don't really like this play. I don't, I'm not comfortable with it. He, he just, so he just took it on the chin and run it. And so now they've gotten to the point where he's saying, no, 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 let's do this. Let's do this. And I also think that they have done a much, much, much better job incorporating Dion Lewis as the feature back instead of trying to be a 50 50 joint with, uh, Dion and, and Derek Henry. Well, Derek Henry just isn't as versatile as right. Deion Lewis is. So I, I think it's a, it's a good combination to bring him in. It's kind of a change-up. Um, but, yeah, and, and look, here's the thing. Deion Lewis, Malcolm Butler, Logan Ryan, Mike Vrabel, I mean, all those guys had huge chips on their shoulder. I mean, I'm surprised yeah. they weren't being weighed down by him. Um, but <laughs> but all those guys stepped up, had great games, and played well. Uh, and, and so you could get, kind of get the sense that there's a little extra something to that game, too. Uh, do you think the Titans have a letdown this coming week against Indianapolis? 
Man, would it be a letdown? Indy's playing really well. Andrew Luck looks good. Eric Ebron looks like the player Detroit drafted him to be. Ahead of Odell Beckham, by the way. <laughs> right. And uh, look, the offensive line is nasty yep. for the Colts. So. Did you Have you watched the, the Quentin Nelson mic'd up yet? Yes. By the way, is that not illegal based on new helmet rule? Uh, to which which part of it to like try uh, the fact that he lowered his helmet to initiate contact yes, for the it, player? Yeah, it should, mean, it should be, but I don't know if they, <laughs> it's it's by the book the definition of what they're trying to eliminate. But after everyone threw up, uh, the, you know, their their arms about in the first few weeks, they're like, ah, oh, let's just not make that call anymore because yeah. that was the definition of it. But yeah, it was a nasty hit. Yeah, well, I know I was thinking too, but he's like that guy. He's just he's just filthy. I mean, like he he's just a, he's a, he's like a just a mean mean nasty. The old school guard. He's like, I like to rub their faces in the dirt and destroy their souls. I mean, it's it's, it's fun. To, it's you, fun. You're talking about a fever dream. Like he, he's your worst nightmare. Yeah, is, yeah. If you were on defense and you have to play in the front seven, <laughs> no, that guy is who you have nightmares about. And you wake up in cold sweats or you like piss the bed, even though you're an adult now. It's because you've got to go up against Quentin Nelson. Like good luck, good luck with all those guys who've got to deal with that in the AFC South for who knows how long. Fifteen years. Man. Man, another note. Maybe he'll be the greatest Notre Dame player of all time. Um, I would, have, I would, uh, I, I, I watched him play in, in South Bend last year, and oh, God, he's he just was ridiculous. Him yeah. and McClinchy, who who had a great game tonight, by the way, for the Forty yeah. ers Yep. So yeah, the good players. Uh, all right, Brady Quinn, always fun, buddy. Thanks for uh, thanks for hopping on. We'll talk next week. We got a fun game: Chiefs and uh, Chiefs and uh, Chiefs and Rams. Should be exciting. Yeah. Hey, did you uh, did you already order those buildos though? I mean, I, I, you're supposed to get them for stocking stuffers. Well, <laughs> I, I, I guess it depends how big the stocking is. The, I got a lot of notes. I got a lot of notes about the buildos. People enjoyed okay. them. People enjoyed. They were like, they were like, how long did you laugh? I was like, it felt like 12 minutes. I, I don't know. <laughs> by, by the way, by the way, would you would you would you like a, a Pick Six podcast T-shirt? Oh, oh, sure, yeah. If you yeah. got one, yeah. I got, I, I got uh, yeah. marketing. Marketing made us some, and uh, I got one in the mail th- this weekend. They're what's pretty... uh, what's the consistency of the blend though? Is it like a tri blend or is it like oh, a yeah. standard? No, 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 no. It's tri blend, buddy. It's soft. Oh, so it's actually comfortable. It's soft, and uh, they actually one of them. There, there's two ver. I don't, I don't know why they made two versions of them. One is like soft gray with uh, the dark green sort of logo, Ooh, but then, I like that. but then the yeah. other is like Notre Dame green. With Ooh. with a uh, with a white with a white logo on the front, it's pretty. Uh, I like that too. It's pretty cool. Yeah. So so when you when you go to the office, and I'm sure people uh, flock up to you and say, "Oh, Brady, what can we get you? Some coffee? Some you know? Do you need uh, do you need do you need a, a tap water, spring water? What you know? What, what do we need for you? Uh, makeup? What do you need? Uh, just say, I need a Pick Six Podcast T-shirt. Thanks. Okay. Yeah. I'll, I'm at, who would I ask? Ek for that? Uh, Ek. Ek should be able to get it for you. Yes. Okay. All right. Cool. Awesome stuff. Thanks as always, buddy. Yeah.